This is your daily real estate syndication show, and I am your host, Whitney Sewell. Today is a highlight show that's packed with value from different guests around a specific topic. Don't forget to like and subscribe, but also go to lifebridgecapital.com where you can sign up to start investing in real estate today. I hope you enjoy the show. Our guest is Sonny Shakawala. Thanks for being on the show, Sonny. Hey, Whitney. Thank you for having me. Now, I'm honored to have you on the show. And uh, Sonny is a serial entrepreneur currently focused on managing a 45-unit commercial asset as well as a building as building out a private money lending business. He has grown his lending business from $100,000 loans originated in 2016 to over $2 million originated in 2018. He invests the bulk of his profits from both businesses into multifamily syndication with a select few trusted partners. Each deal sponsor specializes in a different market and asset class, which provides diversification in location, tenant base, and deal life cycle. And I'm, I'm looking forward to getting into some of that and how you do this, Sonny. But you know, tell the listeners a little more about you, and then let's, let's dive into to your expertise. Sure. So serial entrepreneur, I graduated college and the first thing I did was open a food cart. That was pretty fun. It was serving chicken and rice like Mediterranean style uh, on my college campus. I did that for a year before selling that off. From there, I joined the corporate world, did consulting for a little bit uh, for two years before saving enough money to open up my next restaurant, which was a massive failure. That was (laughs) three years that I wish I could get back. So the the third year of my restaurant operations, I did my first real estate deal, which was a private money lending deal. And I had made more in that deal than I had made in the previous two years combined in my restaurant. So I was like, you know what? Got to get rid of this restaurant as fast as possible and dive right into real estate. So I've been doing that now for about for a couple of years. And I think... The compliment to my real estate, my private money lending business is just finding good syndicators and then and backing them and supporting them and trying to get more returns that way. So that's where I am today. Nice. So you're you're finding deal sponsors that you qualify and that you want to work with. And and, and I want to say, you know, we're gonna go through that process a little bit and how you have chosen different people that you want to work with. I know a lot of the listeners are in those shoes or trying to get started, whether they are a passive investor looking for that first, you know, deal or or syndication that they're looking to invest in, or even if they're a deal sponsor or somebody pursuing to be a deal sponsor, this is gonna be great information mm-hmm. for them uh, from somebody from your experience and in your side. So Let's start with that. Maybe some things that are important to you when you're looking to get started investing in a syndication, or maybe when you started, and then let's get into you know how you interview the sponsor, and then we'll go to the deal and some different things. But but initially, you know, let's help that that passive investor who's who's looking for their first syndication. I think the absolute most important thing that a deal sponsor can show you is a track record. I don't want to say never invest in someone's first deal because there's always exceptions to the rule, but you're really looking for someone who's been in the business for a while, right? Let's say at least six years at this point, you don't, because there's new syndicators popping up every single day. It's just so very little barrier to entry time in the game. So six years, at least taken, they have at least a hundred million dollars under management. They have at least a million square feet under management or a thousand units, right? So it's one of the other, it's just, it's just to show that they can manage a large portfolio. Another thing that I like to look for is that they've taken at least five deals through the deal life cycle. Uh, what is the deal life cycle? That's acquisition, that's value add, and that's either a capital event like a refinance or a supplemental loan or a disposition. 
I prefer disposition, right? Because they're selling off the asset and then it's complete. But if there's a refinance or a supplemental put in, you know, the investors are getting their money back. And from there, it's you are at least some of their money back. And from there, it's usually much higher returns and, and much less risk. So that's the number one thing that I'm looking for when I'm when I'm interviewing deal sponsors is that track record. Nice. So, you know, I know there are aspiring syndicators that are listening thinking, oh, you know, it's going to take me forever to get there, you know, or, you know, how do I get started, you know, or, you know, you mentioned that don't necessarily never invest in someone's first deal, or, you know, maybe there's other things to look at. So, you know, could you speak to that for just a minute? You know, like, you know, how, how would somebody, if this was always the case, then, how, you know, how does someone get started or, or, you know, I guess, you know, get somebody like yourself to want to invest in their first deal? This is that common problem, even when people are looking for jobs, right? It's like, oh, we're looking for someone with more experience. And it's like, how do I get experience if no one's willing to take a chance on me? That's a really good question. So I have actually invested in someone's first syndication. They were a student of someone that I usually invest in. So I knew that they had the education required. And at the same time, their deal structure was more favorable towards the investors. Uh, so a lot of times you'll see like a 70-30 split. This syndicator's, or this first-time syndicator, his deal structure was 80-20 to the investors, which was obviously favorable. A lot of the times you'll see like a 6 to 8% preferred return. This first-time syndicator provided a little bit more than that. So I guess when, you're, when it's your first deal, you have to give up a little bit more. I'm now investing in people that are doing... 3565, right? Because they have that track record, because they know they're good, and because they know investors are still going to come to them, right? So as you grow your business and as you have more time in the game, you can start recapturing that value. But if it's your first time, I think you're just going to have to, I mean, there's probably multiple ways to do it, but I think giving more value to the investor is, is one way. Nice. That's great advice. Great advice. I think most of us have been in those shoes and we're, you know, where we've tried to give a lot more to the investor to get started, uh, you know, at least initially and gain that track record and to show more of alignment of interest as well uh, to some extent, but, but give a lot more back. So, so, you know, you mentioned uh, at least 1 million under management, six years in the business, thousand units, a million square feet, uh, I think you had mentioned. And then, I guess, you know, I'd like to go through how you interview a sponsor, what that looks like, maybe some, any other questions you like to ask, you know, the actual sponsor themselves, you know, let's dig into, you know, those things a little bit. Yeah. So it's multiple touch points, right? It's not one phone call where I take up an hour or two of their time, because honestly, that's, I'm looking for two to three hours of their time across probably a month time span, because I just have so many questions. And I think, and I think people are afraid to take up too much time of someone like a syndicator, right? So like an impo- like a busy person like a syndicator. But at the same time, we are parting with our hard-earned money to invest in this person. So it takes time to build that relationship. So I would do something. I would go into this interview process uh, sort of like expecting maybe three to four half-hour calls over the span of 30 to 45 days where I can kind of drill them on different things. And the first conversation would look like track record. The second conversation would look like, what's your team, right? I definitely do not want to be backing a one-man show. I want someone who has asset managers. I want someone who has like full-time underwriters. Or not, not full-time as, if, as in he's paying them like a W-2, but full-time as in these people are underwriting 100 deals a month and they are just passing forward what they like, right? And it's and that's those hundred deals are boiling down to one deal that 
they're forwarding to that syndicator. Someone that has an assistant at the very least, right? Because time is the most important thing. And having an assistant is just, you need that. A syndicator needs that type of person. Analysts, right? People that are doing market research, people, an acquisitions manager. Like these are just like the basic types of positions an established syndicator would have. So that second conversation would look like what's who's on your team. The third conversation I'd have would look like, what does your communication look like with your investors, right? Is it a monthly email? What are you sending on a quarterly basis? Are we going to see financials? Are you holding events? Like, do you come out to, do you make like a, you, like a national tour, right? So one of my syndicators, he, he's based in uh, Ohio, but he comes to New York uh, once a year. He goes to California once a year and he and he's going to Texas once a year. And those are where most of his investors are. And he's inviting everybody out. So, you know, we can get FaceTime with him and with our peers. Because what people may not understand is what you might not understand before you invest your money is it's kind of like a marriage, right? You're gonna be in this type of situation with this person for the next five to seven years. So you want to be sure that you are getting the communication that you require. And if they're not providing it, then just move on to the next person. I, I actually invested in this indicator probably a year or two ago now. And I gave him, I gave him my investment and about six months passed and I, I didn't even see an email. And I was like, this is, this is just not for me. I don't, I don't like this. So I emailed him and I was like, hey, I'm not a fan of your communication style. I'm sure you're going to do great. But can I just get my investment back? And he was like, you know what? Sure, no problem. And he wired me my money back the next day. Wow. That was probably surprising. Yeah, probably like surprising. That was, that was a fund. So it wasn't like um, my money went towards one specific asset. It was a little surprising that he did that. And he didn't try to like keep me or anything. But at the same time, I just wasn't comfortable with his communication style. And I couldn't force him to communicate with me only because that doesn't scale, right? And then the fourth conversation I'd, pro- I'd probably have with any syndicator would be more deal specific. I'd ask for examples of past deals, right? What did the returns look like? If they're willing to share with me, what, did a, what does a sample K1 look like? Like the annual return for a specific investor, right? Obviously, blank out the, the name and the social security numbers and all that stuff and provide that to me. And I'd, and I'd ask for more proof that they were doing what they said they were doing. Because it's very easy nowadays to go online and download a picture of some multifamily asset and put it in a nice spreadsheet and put it on your website and talk about it on your podcast and look like you're the man. It's very easy to do that. What's not easy to do is fake a closing sheet, right? Fake a warranty deed. Ask for those types of documents. Our guest is Ramana Karada. Thanks for being on the show, Ramana. Thank you, Whitney. Thank you for the great show. I'm glad to be part of the show. Yeah, well, we're grateful to have you on, especially with your experience. I know you'll be able to add tons of value to myself and, and the listeners. And so we appreciate your time. I'm grateful for that, Ramana. But a little about Ramana. He's a co-founder and managing partner of Raven Multifamily, which acquires B and C-class multifamily assets in landlord-friendly and growth markets. His company has syndicated 2,700 units in three different markets in the last three and a half years. He's passionate about adding value to investors as well as tenants. So Ramana, thank you again uh, for being on the show. Tell the listeners a little more about, you know, maybe your background and how you got into this syndication business. Absolutely. Thank you for the opportunity again here. So folks, my name is Ramana Karada. 
I live in Frisco, Texas, which is part of Metro DFW. I'm an immigrant to this country. I came here in 2001 for my master's. And as everybody else, I finished my master's, started looking for a job, I found a job. I was roaming across the country with my job, but I always have this passion to do something else other than my job. So I was exploring different opportunities in multiple areas, not knowing anything, not formally educated in any other other than my day job. I never stopped my thirst to exploring, right? So I started uh, partnering with a few of my friends. I started investing in uh, retail strip centers. So I found two of them. I partnered and I wanted to replicate in the hometown of you know, me, which is Dallas. So I was able to get many people interested in the business model. But by the time, guys, it's ready to you know, send your funds. But nobody was uh, doing that. So that gave me a pause and you know, thinking in the retrospectively, what I realized is these folks do not have any formal education. I mean, they are believing in me, but they are not able to make a decision if that's a good investment for them or not. So that pushed me into finding a right mentor where you know my job is not to educate people, but rather I wanted to make the investment successful. So I found, I mean, until then, my focus was on retail strip centers. But after I found this mentor in Dallas, I felt like multifamily is the way to go. Okay, because end of the day, everybody has to live under a roof. And the class of the property that my focus area is B and C, where C being the uh, lowest in the class, uh, of course, that's, that's where the value add comes into picture. But by targeting that C-class properties, I was able to pull most of the sophisticated and accredited investors into these deals. So this is where I learned the multifamily knowledge base and I networked with so many folks with a similar mindset. I started investing passively and quickly learned how to syndicate. And I found my partner, Venkat Avsarala, in the same mentoring group. We started working together and we started with a 100-unit property in Oklahoma City, moved on to 120-unit in Glendale, Arizona. That gave us enough enough credibility in the market and we picked up 300-unit property in DFW market. Since then, we've been purchasing in DFW. So we finished our 11 syndications with 2,700 units. 11th syndication? That is correct. Awesome. Thank you. So we exited from three deals out of these 11. So we are actively managing the eight properties. We don't self-manage. We are working with third-party property managers, professionally managed uh, companies in uh, DFW market and uh, looking forward to get to our 10,000 unit mark uh, in the next few years. Part of this process, I worked in IT for 15 years. And after having few properties, I mean, it's kind of overwhelming with investor relations, with property management, with uh, you know, all the nine yards with the property management, right? So with that, myself and my partner, we quit our 15-year career um, IT jobs and we are doing this full-time. Nice. Well, I appreciate you elaborating on that. I know lots of people that are listening are looking to do the same thing. And you all have accomplished a lot. I mean, 11, 11 syndications, that's that's a great It's a great experience, and I know you all have learned a lot. So, you know, why don't we talk about a, a recent acquisition and let's kind of dive into that deal a little bit. Absolutely. So my apologies for not able to make up my scheduled time with you because, you know, this property taught us a whole lot than anybody would think. 
So in the first 10 deals, you know, myself or my partner, we never struggled to raise money. Even in the last three deals, uh, we were able to raise like $9 million in 24 to 48 hours. I mean, not everybody deposited their money into LLC's account, but we were able to get full commitment within no time. But something changed in the market. So if I think back, uh, what I could realize is definitely uh, the recession talk is uh, more than it was uh, you know, a few months back. And multifamily is the still the hottest market. So price per pound is definitely killing. And there are a lot more syndicators in the market right now than a couple of years ago. So a lot of availability of uh, these opportunities. Of course, investors have to make their complete due diligence before committing to their funds. They have to vet the syndicator. They have to vet the submarket. They have to vet the market. They have to look at the underwriting, how well these syndicators are doing. All these factors into, you know, before investing in any anybody's deal. Even though our underwriting is very conservative, very uh, investor-friendly, Still, we were not able to pick up the $8.2 million raise, not easily. So it took a good three weeks this time. Definitely, price per pound is one of the key factors that we have to keep in mind. So before purchasing or getting into contract, that will be my criteria for sure. On this particular deal, this is a 280-unit Arlington uh, property. It is 1970s built. Seller, whom I know, we know before, they manage around 5,000 units across uh, uh, Texas and uh, Colorado markets. Very sophisticated seller. They spent around $4 million in, in that 280-unit property. They took care of pretty much entire exterior uh, renovations. And also they upgraded 48% of the interiors as well. And they showed us the good path to increase the rents. So it was no-brainer to win this deal. I mean, basically, this was an off-market property that uh, one of the prominent broker got to us from uh, Dallas market. And the same shop provided good uh, 80% LTV loan on the property. That helped us real big time. Finding a right, right lender, lending partner is key to success in this business as well. See, end of the day, the more proceeds that we get from the loan will help lesser equity raise, which will produce much higher, much better result to investors. Okay, okay. I'm going to stop you for a minute because there's, there's a lot of things there we can talk about that, are that, that I want to ask you about. You know, And I want to say, like, congratulations, though, to you all to be able to raise you know, $9 million in just a couple of weeks. You know, normal. You know, before even, but I know you said this time you struggled, but you still got it done in three weeks. I mean, that's still most people listening would still be, uh, you know, jumping up and down to be able to raise that kind of capital. You know, even in six weeks. You know, uh, and so you all are, you know, you all are obviously doing something right. Um, and so, you know, but tell me, I know you elaborated a little bit on just how the markets changed and maybe why. You know, it was a little more difficult to raise the capital because these investors have so many more opportunities to look at now. Uh, but what was it that really helped close that gap for you all? You know, after a couple of weeks, you know, you all noticed that, okay, you know, it's going to be it's a little more difficult now to raise the capital than we expected. What was it that pushed you to reach your, your capital raise goal at that time? So basically, we didn't reach out all the people in the first place. So obviously, we reached out and we made a few phone calls with the past investors. So they came forward and invested with us. And also, to keep the underwriting very attractive, uh, you know, conservative for the investors, right? We didn't include a lot of other income opportunities in the underwriting in the first place. 
Okay. Some of the investors were asking, hey, how come you didn't add any, it could be washer dryer income, it could be tax savings that the city of Arlington is reducing, and we can implement covered parking, reserved parking, we can get the cable internet contract to the property. I didn't include all these in the initial underwriting. So when I added all that stuff, it definitely showed much better result for the investors or uh, investor returns for the investor. So that helped pull that gap very quickly. You know, wanted to keep it as much conservative as possible. Still, I don't want to, you know, false promise, right? End of the day, once investors likes your business model, see, the things that we do, we have a very clear communication with our investors, okay? Mm. We don't false promise. If something is not being right in the property, that's what we communicate. Okay. We don't oversell to any investors. Hey, whether if you are interested, please invest. If not, let's move on. You know, we'll share our next opportunity with you. So you can join. No selling, clear communication, clear expectations. In our webinars, we make sure that we communicate. Okay, this is how the communication is going to be, and we try to be uh, in the same schedule. And also, we had pretty good success with the sales of uh, or the exiting of three properties, right? So that helped us secure our 2700 portfolio in uh, three and a half years. Wow. No, you also said numerous things there that, that we, we should probably elaborate on a little bit. But for the sake of time, I'd like to know a little more about this deal. And in, in, you had elaborated 280 units in Arlington, seven, 1970s build, and you know who the seller was a little bit. They had already upgraded 48% of the units. And that it was an off-market deal that a broker brought to you. Tell me, you know, I, I, right now, I know everyone is struggling with finding the deal, right? Quote, you know, the the deal, you know, the, the next deal. We're seeing lots of properties, but they seem to be so overpriced. You know, what was it about you all uh, or the relationship or the connection or, you know, that allowed you access to this off-market deal? So basically, end of the day, brokers has to represent sellers. Okay. You know, you can have as much as a relation you can have with the brokers, but you have to give a warm and fuzzy feeling that you know you are the closer, one way or other. We go into these contracts with the mindset of sixty days to close. Okay, luckily or fortunately, or the way how we perform for me and my partner, we always, as most of the deals, we closed at least a few days before the sixty-day uh, mark. So we have that reputation in the market that we are the closers and we are we can close early too. And on this particular deal, we closed this deal, how many days? Uh, a week before. Okay. Even though we struggled to raise money, we were able to close a week before. Okay. So why I'm saying that is, obviously, you have to impress the broker with your due diligence before setting up the tour. Okay. You make sure you read the OEM, you understand the market, you understand the submarket, you understand the property. You know, if needed, go and visit the property multiple times feel comfortable so that if you are prepared, well prepared before the setting up the tour, broker will get impressed upon you and uh, he will see the urge in you that you want to win the deal. Now, you have to give the comfort that, you know, you can raise the money if you are a syndicator or if you have your own funds, that's well and good, right? So as soon as the broker feels comfortable that you are a closer and you have a resume that shows that you are a closer, then definitely brokers will come after you. Of course, like I said, you know, brokers represent the seller. There are a lot of syndicators and institutional partners are looking to park their money in this multifamily asset class 
So you have to compete with a lot many folks than uh, you would think. Thank you for being a loyal listener of the Real Estate Syndication Show. Please subscribe and like the show. Share it with your friends so we can help them as well. Don't forget, go to lifebridgecapital.com where you can sign up and start investing in real estate today. Have a blessed day. 